Hey mates, we've got a very special interview following with Fifi Panaritos. I just wanted to get in touch early though to let you know that it was recorded during some very high winds at the end of June, so there might be some background wind whistling. I hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the podcast too much. Welcome to another episode of Hughes Interviews. I'm joined today by the wonderful Phoebe Panaritos. Thanks for coming, Phoebe. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, Now, we're going to dive into Phoebe's incredible career so far (laughs) um, and also find out what got you into it all, which is where I like to start. What gave you the acting bug? Yeah, I started dancing first. So I went to a um, school in Sydney called Brent Street Studios where some pr- I had some pretty amazing teachers growing up like Kelly Abbey and Matt Lee and oh, wow. Jason Coleman. Um, so they were in and out of teaching me throughout my whole childhood, which was um, really cool and special. And then I'd go see shows and they'd be in them. And I remember probably the first moment I saw um, Kelly Abbey in Fame and I think I was about 10. And I was like, I want to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then I just like got into singing lessons and I was kind of, I remember being like kind of surprised that I had like a tuneful voice. Um, and then that's something that really like took my interest. And um, yeah, then from there, I just got more and more invested and interested in it and decided to go to Newtown Performing Arts. And um yeah, that's where things really became serious for me. Like the the last mm. years of high school, I was re- I was like only interested in the arts. And um, so is, is Newtown yeah. like a extracurricular kind of thing on top of schooling, or was no? It a- it's a performing arts school. Newtown oh, wow. Newtown Performing Arts actually. Alex Gibson Giorgio went there as well, and that's oh, where we good met. Good alumni then. Yeah, some really great actors came out of there actually. Like um, Anna, Anna, Anna Sampson. Yeah, um, a lot of VCA people came from Newtown actually so it's a very like uh artistic embracing school yeah great well that's definitely a great training ground for it all then yeah yeah Yeah. um so did you go then straight into the auditioning for the schools or did you give yourself some time yeah someone came to Newtown actually from VCA and pitched it and I just thought like this is the place for me I actually didn't audition for any other schools it was only VCA and I thought that the musical theatre program looked really exciting. I loved that it was brand new. Um, I'd done some other like workshops for other schools and I didn't quite feel like that was the fit for me. And um, VCA was just like, I can become very tunnel vision <laughs> and very like headstrong and driven. And I was, it was, there was no question, like I was getting into this school. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I still remember getting the phone call. Like it was everything to me at the time. Mm. So. Yeah, and that who, was. Who called you? Was it Martin? It was like, Martin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it either. I was, even though I'd worked so hard, I still like couldn't believe it. I thought all my dreams mm. had come true. It's such a surreal feeling. I remember mine like it was yesterday. I was actually in rehearsals for the um, 
uh, the acting academy I was at at the time and had to duck out and take the phone call. And then I couldn't keep it together when I walked back so into happy. the... Yeah, and I got this massive group hug from everyone. It was a wonderful Yay. time. Yeah, yeah, it was, and such a good school to go to, and I learned so much, you know. Yeah. So you, you were the, the first class, the, the company yes. 11, and mm-hmm. so not only were you the first class, but for your time there, you were the only one because yeah. the course got cancelled, didn't it? The course got cancelled, um, which was devastating, and I kind of, like, we kind of led the charge with protests mm. and banding. It really brought us together in a really magical way. I, I look back at that time, and I it's one of like the most precious moments in my life because it it made me realize what I care about Mm. and um you know it really brought this group of people together that I think you know in the last 10 years we've never really broken we're we're still really supportive of each other and uh really great friends and um have really you know I, I now look at all these grads coming out and I can't help but feel like really proud I'm like you you a part of the reason you're there is because of my year you Mm. know we fought so hard and and we produced great work while we were there too and Mm. Martin Margot my year the Dobells it's all a big testament to them and it's something I I will like be proud of forever yeah it's it's um what you guys did is just it's incredible I mean to have your your class and your course completely cancelled and then because of your actions yeah having it reinstated for the future it's really special it's really special i remember we found out when we were doing west side story that it was coming back right and um so that late into third year that late yeah and i remember like margot crying in my arms and she's like it's because of you guys you know and it was just like such a beautiful way to finish the course like knowing that our work and everything we'd done previously in the years before had actually paid off, you know. Right. Yeah, that is a special feeling. Yeah. But, um, so I guess you guys had a not only that aspect of it, but a pretty unique uh, experience being the only class mm. there. What was that like? Did it mean that your whole year level forged stronger bonds because there was so. really no one else to? Yeah, I think to? so. We it's like family, you mm. know. Um, I've only been lucky enough to work with a couple of people from my year, but even just that experience on Dream Lover, having Hannah and Josh in the room, it was like, it was like just having a person there, you know, that you just knew had your back and yeah. it was, it was really nice. Yeah. Well, um, let's move on to, I guess, I think the next big thing would be your breakout role mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as Fran is Strictly Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that was... Uh, awesome yeah. from my perspective. Um, but can you take me through the the audition story? Yeah. I heard it was a long several months of. It was auditions. actually it was nine months long. Wow. Um, and it was, yeah, the most challenging thing I've I've ever been put through. I came out of that feeling like I could I could do anything. You know, it was really um, testing of my skills, of my personality, of my strength. It cost a lot. Like mm. I was. I was really stressed for a while, but again, tunnel vision. Like I was like, this is my role. It got to a point where I knew I was the front front runner and I was like, nothing's gonna get in my way. Like Mm. this is mine. Um, But you know, look, it started off like most auditions, like big cattle calls. And I kind of thought I'd won when I just got to the final round. There was like six girls and six guys flown to Sydney to meet Baz. Mm. And that for me was like, I honestly thought that would be the end of the road. I was just like, I'll probably get in the ensemble, maybe get a chance at covering. I just was so happy to be there in a room of people 
that I knew their work, mm. um, but I wasn't like I hadn't done anything, you know. Mm. So I was just couldn't believe I was in the waiting room with like Rowan Browns and you know Lauren Hunter and like Ange Casamides, Christina D'Agostino. Like I knew all these people, but I you know was a no one. So I just kind of was like excited to be there. Um, and that was like that first audition. Baz ran the audition rooms very differently. It was like a masterclass. And a lot of people say it brought out the worst in them because it, we were all in the room together. So you all got up and sang in front of each other. We danced in front of each other. We did the scene work in front of each other. It was like a class, you mm. know? Um, and a lot of people, I think, really rose to that. And a lot of people, I think, crumbled. And it really was a good lesson for me because I always sat on the other side of the door of the audition room thinking the person inside is far better than me. And the thing is, everyone in Australia, I think everyone is so talented and everyone's got a fucking great voice, you know. Um, but it's interesting being on the other side. It, it revealed something to me. It actually gave me confidence. I sat there watching the other women read the scene, scenes mm. and, and sing songs and I thought... I actually do something really different and it might not be right, but no one's doing it like me. So I kind of like, I kind of like got really excited and my, my nerves turned into excitement and I was, I was actually kind of feeling like, yeah, I want to get up and show what I've prepared because no one's do, done it yet, you know? Um, and that's like the first moment he sort of noticed me. I, um, I remember it really clearly. He worked with me for quite a while on the floor. Um, it was really exciting. It was like thrilling. Um, and from then on, it, it became quite a like drawn out process of being flown kind of around Australia, having ballroom dancing lessons, uh, privately having flamenco, uh, private lessons, still not knowing if I had the part. Mm. Then he did a worldwide search. So he searched for girls in London and New York. So this is after you've done several rounds, several rounds. And he cut a whole bunch of people and only kept me from oh, the wow. first Australian search. And he said, I don't want to see anyone I've seen before, just Phoebe can come back. So they put me in a lot of private classes because I think the company kind of wanted me, but Baz mm. wasn't sure. Mm. So they put me in a bunch of private classes and um, with Thomas Lacey, who had already been cast. And then they did this worldwide search. So then they found girls from London and New York and they brought those girls they'd narrowed it down to about eight those girls and a couple of Aussies for another final round this is about seven months in and I'd been doing private classes at this point and I came in with a bunch of new girls very talented and uh the audition was at Her Majesty's Theatre mm. and he you know he just creates magic and I loved those auditions because it was like a masterclass. like he would get you on the floor working on your song he'd create a story around it it was just incredible I learned so much about myself as well and what what I had uh, already learnt as a performer and what I wanted to give you know and were you able because you were watching everyone else you could you know see little bits and pieces and oh that could be good in the future or if yeah. I wanted to do something like that and I learnt like how people what that what happens with them in that process in that audition room you know um how stress affects different people yeah definitely um but yeah look it became more and more like uh, has to be mine, you yeah. know. Um, and then after that sort of big audition day, he narrowed it down to two girls. And um, 
yeah, we got flown to Sydney and then um, we kind of were battling it out in the room, like singing the song one after another. It was Defying Gravity, by the way. One after another, uh, doing the scene one after another, working with Tom one after another, like in the room all together. Mm. So, you know, again, it was like, it was a, it was a fight, you know. Mm. Um, Someone could make a TV series It really that. was like, it was like that, you know. Yeah. It was pretty intense. Um, and then... I got put into a three-week workshop, still not having the part, but I was told I would be there for Fran. And the other girl he decided was more of a Liz, mm. uh, Sophia Kados. But still, you never knew what could happen in the workshop. He could decide to put her on, you know, you just yeah. didn't know. So those three weeks, again, were pretty intense. And I kept getting pulled into other rooms and uh, put in costumes and then pulled into rooms of about 20 executives and creatives to sing. Like I remember one day I sang about 12 songs in a row mm-hmm. oh, wow. and Baz would like with like 20 people in the room just watching me. And, um, you know, it started to get really full on. I started to, um, you know, really fight, but I started getting a bit frustrated and it was kind of at that point that, um, it all sort of came to a head and uh, I, it was that day that I'd sang the 12 songs mm. and uh, I started to cry at the end of my audition and the last song I sang was um, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me and the last lines of the song were like, believe me mm. and I was like, was like, believe me, like it's me. <laughs> it sounds so dramatic but, but I can tell you it really was so real. Oh my God, it's seven months of your life though that is this is nine months nine months stage. oh god even and then I um I finished and he came over to me in front of all these people and he grabbed my hand and said I'm going to make you a star <sighs> and I was like do I have it like I still didn't know you know like it was so full on and then I left the room uh Kelly Abbey came out and I remember she held my hand and said you've got nothing left do you darling and I was like I've got nothing left I went downstairs, waited for my dad to pick me up. I was only out of the room maybe 10 minutes and I got a phone call and yeah. it was Baz and he said, see you tomorrow, Fran. And it was the last day of the workshop. So I came to the last day of the workshop knowing it was mine and mm. it was really special. And, you know, then the journey began, the mm. two-year journey of this crazy ride that um, nothing is quite matched, you know. Some really special and beautiful things happened in those two years that, um, are some of the best moments of my life, you know, um, and so special to work with such a genius, you know, he really, um, to his detriment, uh, has these brilliant ideas Mm -hmm. and just being around such a creative master, Mm -hmm. um, was really eye-opening and, um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you did the show after that incredible experience (laughs) already. Um, now, uh, not, something that not everyone, I guess, is aware of is that doing an eight shows a week is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Like, we all love it, we all love doing it, but it is work sometimes. How did you keep a, sh- a show like that fresh for yourself? Um, it is a challenge, and I think it's something that, you know, uh, it's not spoken about enough, um, and it wasn't something I kind of was... I don't think we'd learnt that at school at all. Um, you know, and I think... With Strictly, we were lucky because it did keep changing for quite a long time, so Mm. it kept us on our toes. Like, the show kept getting reworked. Even six months in, we closed the show, worked on it for three weeks, and then opened again. Like, it was insane. But once we started to get into the flow of it and we'd done, you know, 500... We got to 500 shows. 
I remember, you know, feeling really disconnected from my, my body on stage mm. and feeling like I was a, a becoming a robot. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't being authentic to why, why I perform. And, um, you know, I'm such a hard worker and I think, you know, I'm not someone who likes to play games on stage and things like that, but there are things you have to do to keep yourself alive and in the moment. And I remember Caroline O'Connor said this once and I started to um, adopt it into my pre-show and it, it really helped. And she said that she likes to like peek out from the curtain or from wherever she can and look at the audience mm. before the show. And she just watches them like rustling through programs or eating lollies or getting putting their glasses on, getting ready for the show. And she sort of said that she finds someone in the audience and she's like, I'm doing it for that person. And that for me started to really uh, remind me of like these people, like where they've come from to come and see this show. They've spent 150 bucks. Someone's maybe brought someone on a first date. Somebody's, you know, gotten gotten out of the house who maybe doesn't get out too much and mm. you know come they've come to see a musical and got a babysitter um, in for the kids totally like and it's a you know it's a gift what we do and I think just reminding myself of that of what a precious gift it is to bring someone joy or take them away for a couple of hours it's um it's really special so just reminding myself of that keeps you keeps you in it I think but it's definitely a challenge you know and keeping yourself healthy and knowing your limits, all of that. It's, but it's very individual. I find mm. I don't think there's one solution for every person. I think you have like you only figure it out when you're in it and what works for you. And it also I think varies on different show to show. Like yeah, on Strictly I was like a grandma. Like I never went out. I never did anything. Never really went out for drinks with the cast. It kind of was a bit lonely, if I'm honest. Mm. You know. Um, but on a few other shows I've done, I've been able to, to um, socialise a little bit more because the roles haven't been as demanding or vocally it's sat more comfortably and I haven't had to vocal rest for 14 hours, you mm. know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it just differs. And also as the lead, you've got the, the weight of the responsibility of kind of holding the show. Yeah, for sure. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So let's get on to some other shows you've done. Sure. Um, so you mentioned Dream Lover before, mm. just keeping in the style of doing brand new Australian work. Yeah. Um, but you got to do with some friends. Well, I mean, not, yeah. they're all mates in the shows anyway, but like family that was friends. Amazing. I, guess. I loved that that experience. I mean, I think coming off such a big thing like Strictly, I actually um, really valued my place in the ensemble. I I also played Connie Francis, so I got to have a great moment and have a sang a great song and mm. a beautiful little scene with with David which was I was so grateful for um but again like I hadn't really experienced what it's like to be in the ensemble and and dance and use my body like my body oh it was amazing I was like I forgot like I don't know like I got into this because of dancing you mm. know and it was really challenging physically which was um really nice for me to be challenged in that way and um, I just had so much fun. I had so much fun. And it was amazing to watch a friend that I'd grown up with, like in the room, discovering a lead role, you know. Um, and I thought that was really special to see Hannah, you know, working opposite David Campbell and, you know, really, a really cool moment. And, and being on stage with Josh, like it was really, really fun. I, I loved it. And a different kind of pressure and a different kind of hardworking um, ethic needed to needed to be applied for that show compared to Strictly and again I've just learnt so much you mm. know 
Yeah, well, you'd learn something new every show you yeah. do, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you went on to a whole new style of show, American <laughs> yeah. Idiot. Yeah. And what's her name? And uh, not only performing that show, but getting to perform at the Helpman Awards. Mm, How yeah. was something like that? Because that kind of, is a yeah. room of your peers. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like, I think because the show had only been on for three weeks in Brisbane, mm. I kind of couldn't believe I, I'd been nominated, you know, anyway. But, but I think because I was so aware that no one had really seen it mm. and I was really proud of it. I mean, it was a show from the States, but we made our own version. Like there was no cookie cutter, like this is what it is. Mm. We created it and I was really proud of it and I thought it was really different and really cool and rock and roll. Mm, really so, current. Yeah, really current. Yeah. It was kind of a bit, I kind of thought maybe I'd be a bit thrown because my category was announced just before we went on. Oh, <laughs> so, like yeah. I was standing in the wings <laughs> way, you know. Like, well, but I happens. kind of was just really, um, I was nervous, mm. but I was more like excited to show our peers like what potentially they'd missed up in Brizzy mm. and I wanted the show to come back and do and a tour it did and it did so yeah. that's what that was a really cool night and really fun to just like get out there and show everyone what we'd done you know yeah, like a great little publicity piece for yeah you. yeah uh, what's it like coming back to a role after taking a significant time off um yeah that was a hard time because I I kind of went a year with no work which was like I was just waiting to hear about American Idiot Mm. and then of course like American Idiot and Dream Lover happened at the same time um and I was like oh I've had a year of nothing and now two jobs at once you know (laughs) um which is you know that's the Mm. way but um I was really excited to get to the opera house and play the concert hall I just like what a dream you know my like dressing room was looking at the Harbour Bridge. I just couldn't believe it, you know. And like f- three years before, I was on top of the Opera House doing promo oh. strictly on the <laughs> yeah. tip. Like, I just couldn't believe I was like there doing that, and I was I, I was back doing what I love as yeah. well, you know. Um, I I don't know. It sounds like really corny, but every time I'm I walk into the rehearsal room, I'm like. I'm, I'm so happy and mm. so excited. Do you and feel at home? Then? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think a lot of my friends, you know, and people that know me well, um, it's probably also like to my detriment. I just like, I love it so much. Mm. And when I don't have it, I, sh- I struggle. Yeah. And I find those times like mentally, physically really challenging because yeah, I do feel like my home is the theater and performing and, you know, I just really miss it when I don't have it. Like, I like a lot of people I know. We talk about it all the time, but it's a challenge here in Australia because mm. there's just not, not enough going. There's around. not enough going around, and yeah. you know, I think when you start to find what you are as an artist, which I think the last couple of years I've figured out, you know, what kind of work I want to do, and um, that too is kind of limiting because I I know I'm not probably going to be you know, Ado Annie in Oklahoma, you know, I'm, I've been really lucky. I've created new roles and new work. Um, but how often are they around? You know, so it's yeah. hard. So, so just continuing on this thread, um, how do you keep yourself mm. artistically and creatively engaged when, you know, you're in between contracts? It's really hard. I'm still f- figuring it out to mm. be honest. Um, I think getting to class is really important. Uh, talking with your peers you know um t- 
talking with other people that I feel like understand is always really comforting because I don't feel like I'm alone. Mm. You know, even people like that I really, you know, I really respect. I've got some beautiful friendships with like Heather Mitchell and Sharon Millerchip and, you know, it doesn't actually get easier, you know, when you're that successful and uh, that well-known. It's still hard, you know. Um, But I think, you know, yeah, keeping yourself... Uh, creatively engaged you know getting to class getting to theater I think it's interesting a lot of people be like I just can't afford to get there and like all of, you know I've said that before but it ignites in you the reason you do it too so I think all of that's really important um, working on something you know mm. a new skill or a new a new skill or extending a current skill stuff yeah like that. yeah I went to New York and did a, a Michael Chekhov course earlier oh, this dreams. year and that was like everything I could have needed to come and do Lazarus you know Mm. I I took the character to work on it was the most dialogue I'd ever had in a show before so I was getting nervous and I thought yeah this is what I've got to do and financially obviously difficult um but you know I made it work and Mm. it was important to me that I did that and you can't take your money with you no exactly exactly so why bother um so you mentioned Lazarus Let's mm. continue on that one. So a very interesting musical, I guess. Most more the most dialogue you said you've done. Also, mm. what's it like tackling some of his iconic mm. songs? Like Changes oh. is probably one of the best known. Oh yeah, man, what a gift, honestly. Like I think that singing that song is probably the creative highlight of my career. Like it was so special to me. Um in for so many reasons, like personally as well. Mm. Um I just think this show came uh, came to me at a time in my life that um, it's probably the first time I've really like resonated with a, with a character, with um, the style of the piece. Mm. I just felt like, yeah, this is me. Like when I auditioned, I was like, this is me. It's really different. Um, and I think it allowed each of the actors involved to, to create. Um, Bowie has like, there's a beautiful script, but it's really... Um, almost existential and Mm. it can be sort of interpreted in multiple different ways and we sat there in the rehearsal room you know trying all these different ways that it could be read um really challengingly um uh we actually like sat down like after the first preview and changed a a lot about uh, my character and what she was doing and and that was but it was you know a feeling inside Mm. me too so it was also exciting Mm. um but yeah, it just kept evolving. The the piece was challenging. Like every night, something new came out of it. It was never fixed. Um, really emotionally challenging as well, which um, I think you know is important to talk about. You know uh, how to de-roll and get mm. out of a character. I think leaving it at the door. Leaving it at the door. All of that. Um, so how do you go about that? I need to get better at it. That's for sure. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing I learned from Lazarus, um, if I'm honest. It was um, kind of hanging around, you know. It was a very um, uh, intense show mm. and um, emotionally draining show. And I, I kept thinking, I'm like, how did those guys on Les Mis do it for t- two years? <laughs> I did it for like three weeks and I was like, wow, it's really hard playing such an emotional mm. um emotionally demanding role you know so pardon the uh gale force winds going on outside guys if you're hearing that in the background (laughs) um yeah so but how so yeah as you you mentioned with the show as well lazarus there's no real clear through plot line Mm. 
and is it more the beauty of it being open to that interpretation of not just the actors but also how the audience feels yeah, I, I kind of loved that people were like I mean look people didn't like it but and people loved it yeah and people you can't please everyone no but I really loved like getting in the lift to go upstairs after the show and hearing what people were saying (laughs) hearing what people had taken from it I loved it I loved that it challenged people I Mm. I challenged me like I didn't know what it meant for so long or what it meant to my character what it meant you know for the audience I think it meant something different to everybody and everyone took something different from it um I feel like the piece essentially is about is about love mm. and and how powerful that is in a person's life, and I think a lot of the characters are desperately seeking love. Mm. Um, yeah, but I it was it was amazing to be part of something so um, challenging for audiences mm. and to have conversations with audience members upstairs after, and um, to gauge what they had taken from it and offer what you know I thought it was about too. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that was a wonderful, challenging show. So yeah, thanks for bringing that to the. To yeah, Australia. thanks to Bowie, you know, yeah. like, and for also, you know, women singing his songs. Like that was cool too. Yeah, yeah. All, all it was all wonderful. Mm. Well, I think that's all we have time for. So yeah. thank you so much for joining no me today, Vicky. It was wonderful to get a bit more insight into your pretty awesome journey. And thank you. everything crossed and here's to an incredible future of Thanks. more iconic roles for you. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, everyone back at home or listening in the car or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us on this as well. Uh, make sure you uh, rate, subscribe, leave a message or a comment. All of that kind of stuff helps me reach a wider audience. <laughs>